Hey everyone, welcome to this week's release of the Hashrate Happy Hour podcast. On today's show, my guest is Kevin Koba. Kevin is the Economic Development Manager at Ottertail Power Company. They are an investor-owned electric utility company that provides electricity and energy services for just over 133,000 people. They have a service territory that spans roughly 70,000 square miles, spread out throughout Minnesota, South Dakota, and North Dakota, where their mission is to produce and deliver electricity as reliably and economically to improve the quality of life in the areas they served. Interestingly, Ottertail Power Company is also known in the Midwest for having one of the largest Bitcoin mining hosting companies as one of their largest customers. On today's show, Kevin and I will talk through the recent legislative sessions that include tax incentives for Bitcoin mining, how Ottertail Power is working with some of the local economies to help them understand Bitcoin mining and data center industries, and how that can help them drive economic growth, and how Ottertail Power has identified that Bitcoin mining is an integral part of the future and is a part of the unprecedented load growth that they are currently experiencing. This conversation is by far one of my favorites, and I walked away from it very excited about the future of Bitcoin mining and how it will continue to play a key role in the future of the electric utility industry. So with that, I hope you enjoy today's show with Kevin Kola. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Like I said in the introduction, I'm here with Kevin Koba with Ottertail Power Company. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey Ben, it's great to see you again and it's great to be on your your podcast this morning. Thanks for the invite. Oh, absolutely. Um, really excited to have you on. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to jumping in and, and talking through some of the cool stuff that Ottertail's got going on, um, especially in the Bitcoin mining space. So Actually, what I'd love to hear about, Kevin, you've been super busy the last handful of weeks here. You've been at the, the state capitol in South Dakota in Pierre. Uh, what's going on in Pierre and what are you spending all your time doing? Well, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting you bring that up uh, for your listeners. I do spend about two and a half months in Pierre. I've been as a lobbyist for Ottertail Power Company along with my other duties. My real job, I call this my vacation from my real job. And, and if anybody wants a vacation recommendation, don't do lobbying. Um, <laughs> I, I certainly advise you to do something that's less chaotic and less stressful. But um, so I've been doing that now since uh, full time in, in South Dakota since about 2001. Um, and so basically what I do is we have an association in South Dakota, South Dakota Electric Utility Companies, and that's uh, made up of the six investor-owned uh, electric and gas companies in South that serve the customers in South Dakota. So we have an association, and then uh, myself and, and a few others are uh, provide assistance to our executive director in that regard. So we are out there pretty much the entire session. Um, this year, a lot of things that could potentially the things that could potentially impact uh, our company and the other six utilities, along with a lot of utilities in general, whether it's electric, natural gas, uh, telecom, uh, you name it, um, is, is there's a significant bill passages uh, in regards to eminent domain. And um, we utilize eminent domain very rarely when we're looking to build projects out, for example, transmission lines. Um, it's, it's kind of the, the option of last resort if we can't come to um, conclusions with the landowners along the route. They're looking at doing some significantly, significant eminent domain reform coming from landowners. And we all get that. We all understand what they're faced with when they're looking at uh, um, you know, people looking to locate facilities on the land. But this, mm -hmm. all the eminent domain uh, bills that are out there are, are being brought to really address the, the summit carbon pipeline that um, maybe some of your listeners are familiar with, but that is the, uh, the CO2 pipeline that is being looked at to uh, pipe CO2 to a underground storage in North Dakota. So that goes right through our service territory, right through the state of South Dakota, 
uh, right up into North Dakota. So everybody's really watching that. Um, just for listeners' interest, if there is any, that's the biggest issue out in South Dakota for us right now, along with, you know, how do we spend IRA money, uh, the, the uh, Inflation Reduction Act money? Um, we're going to look at that very seriously. Um, can we use, utilize that for infrastructure upgrades and things like that? And grid hardening uh, is, is another one that's gotten real popular. Um, but we just, we haven't, last year we tried to do a, uh, a tax incentive bill for uh, crypto and Bitcoin, probably the same. But so we tried to do a, a tax incentive for that to try to make South Dakota a little bit more competitive with the surrounding states. When I say that South Dakota is a great state to do business in, tax climate is probably second to none in the country. Um, but we were looking at, you know, some of these uh, mining facilities, and really, what I wanted to take a look at is how can we, how could we give a, an incentive to smaller data miners? Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes, we 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 talk about the large, you know, huge facilities, 20, 30, 50, 100, and even. 500 megawatt facilities. We also have a lot of, you know, uh, in the garage, uh, residential Bitcoin miners out there that want to expand. And so we were looking, that's really what, what I was focused on. Um, we ran into some real hurdles with that, with, with revenue reduction and, you know, we're a, a low tax state. So anytime you start taking a run at a tax ex exemption, you get a lot of agencies looking at that saying, whoa, we're going to erode our tax base. And we you know, probably so we ran into some roadblocks. We do have programs in South Dakota for for these types of things. Um, they're discretionary, which is what I was trying to get around, make it more, you know, so that any small uh, data miner could be eligible for for tax exemption up front on equipment and such. We weren't able to do that. We still have the discretionary fund that you know we can utilize for for the data miners that are, are interested in that just to kind of get them if they're going to get in the game early it makes them a little bit more competitive um can cut down you know some of those initial costs for equipment and things so yeah um, and that the, we didn't bring that back this year so sure and sorry sorry to jump in when you say no you know a discretionary fund so you said that that was kind of around some tax incentives um, could you maybe touch on what what you mean by the the discretionary part? Is that just sure? Shed some light um, on that? Our uh, in South Dakota, we have what's called the Governor's Office of Economic Development, or GOED. It's called GOED, and that's directly a, a, a cabinet under the, the governor, and they have a number of programs in in under GOED that they can offer different incentives, financing types of things and, and there is a there is a um, program that allows for a sales tax refund for certain um, businesses that that we attract to South Dakota um, there's an economic development it's kind of like a board that takes the applications from those types of businesses and reviews them and then determines whether or not they're eligible for the for the for the tax rebate essentially is what it is so Okay. Very popular program, um, but um, you know we haven't seen it being utilized. And um, I've been in touch with the, the people at GOED. They're very open to taking a look at each and any you know that we bring forth. So, sure. And and so would with the the current program that's in place, Bitcoin Bitcoin mining crypto companies are not able to tap into that, or it's just a little bit more no. difficult with the the way it is in place right now. No, they're all eligible. They just have to, they would just have to apply. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So what then you, you had mentioned you're, you're looking at and, and you tried last year to, to get more tax incentives pushed through. Are you able to share what that looks like or, or what, what more well, could be added to that? Yeah. You know, what we were attempting to do is provide for an ongoing tax exempt sales tax exemption on the equipment that the uh, miners were installing. Um, and then, you know, each like two to three years when they, when they had to upgrade, they could, again, it was, it would be basically a perpetual 
rebate on their sales tax on that equipment. It's a big step. I mean, it's a lot of lot of tax dollars that would be going out that but you know our point was we don't have it now um you know so our revenues weren't there from this sales tax and so if we don't have it you're not missing it and but if we can get if we could get something like that and again going back my focus was really the small guys you know you know a megawatt um not small by any means in our book Um, but those are the ones that are really trying to locate in spots where it's the least cost to open up their doors and, you know, let's give them a break. That's, we always focus, you know, the programs that a lot of states have for incentives are, it's really large business. And, and again, these are small entrepreneurs that want to get into the business. And, and I think my, my thoughts at that time and still are, Hey, we got to work with these people too. Let's give them an incentive to you know, locate in our state and, and, uh, you know, eventually possibly they can become a, a bigger player and, and that's a good thing for the state. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, very cool. You mentioned it didn't get passed last year. Is, is the sentiment coming from the Capitol not friendly towards it or were there just some things in there they thought maybe we can, we, we can, you know, modify and then bring it back in front of them, what, what was kind of behind the not passing? Anytime you bring a tax incentive, whether it's in, in, you know, we don't have an income tax in South Dakota. So anytime you start bringing in a tax exemption and there's, there's tax exemptions all over in, in state statute and in, in South Dakota, along with any other state. Right. So, um, but without an income tax, um, you know, we have an appropriations group in, within the legislature that is very concerned. How is, you know, we have to bring in so much money to meet our budget and be able to pay for things. So if you continually bring in these, these exemptions, it's an erosion on that tax base. So um, that was the biggest issue. Um, we just, there just wasn't an appetite for it um, at that time. And we thought about it, bringing it back this year too. Uh, um, you know, there's a lot of money out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, but I, we we won't, it's too late to do it now. Um, we may look at it down the road if we find that, you know, it, it evolves into something that, uh, there's, you know, we start bringing in and, and then all of a sudden the competition is such that, well, you know, what can you do for us? What, what types of things do you have available? Um, the discretionary part is just, it's a hard one, you know, because then you're picking, a winner here, maybe a loser there. And so that's, you know, that's where I think the, the gov's office is looking at, at, you know, those larger projects where they can get the biggest bang from the buck. It's a smaller fund. It's not a, it's not a, you know, wide open multi million dollar fund. So there's, there's an, there's an, there's a, if you keep eroding at that, then it eventually, it just gets to be where it could go away. And we don't want that to happen because that is definitely a tool for the governor's office to utilize in business attraction and retention. So um, that's really what it was. It was just not that appetite to erode, erode at that tax base anymore. Yeah. So, Got it. Got it. What I, what I find so fascinating about this, Kevin, is that you, you yourself are down at, at the Capitol having these discussions, bringing this type of stuff to legislation and, and you work for Otter Tail Power Company. That to me at least seems, you know, so forward thinking for a utility company. How, how is it, or, or maybe when was it that yourself or Otter Tail started to take this approach with Bitcoin mining, crypto, what, do you know when exactly it was that you guys started to to get this type of interest where you're going to the to the capital to promote that? It was pretty obvious to me. Uh, it happened about oh two years ago. We had done some work with a very large mining operation in North Dakota. And in there they North Dakota meets every two years for their legislative session. So it would have been two years ago, they passed legislation in North Dakota to do this very thing, provide these tax 
sales tax rebate to um, they had they initially had this type of legislation years ago, and then it, they had they had capped it at like three or four clients or customers, and it, it basically had gone away. That was probably you know during the the oil boom, the last oil boom in North Dakota, and so they North Dakota got a had really gotten an app great appetite for for mining operations and data. And so they brought it back to the legislature. Um, my predecessor, actually, in this job was one of the, the people that uh, was really um, instrumental in getting it going and getting it passed in South Dakota or in North Dakota. I'm sorry. So they brought the, the, this very legislature. We modeled ours after theirs, brought it to their legislature two years ago, got it passed. And so, you know, there's an old joke or an old saying that says, I know a good joke when I steal one. I basically said the same thing here. I, yeah. you know, I, get, I know a good program when I can, when we can steal one, we don't have to reinvent it. Let's give it a shot in South Dakota, see what we can do. Um, it's again, one of those things about trying to stay competitive and that you know, I'll emphasize again, we're very competitive in South Dakota, um, especially tax wise. I just, you know, it had been something where I thought personally and, and had the support of the utility industry, let's do something a little extra to see what we can do. Oh, that's, that's so cool. Um, you, you, you're, you're moving in the direction I wanted to go next, which was the, the very large Bitcoin mining customer that you guys have on your grid. Um, can you say more about that? Yeah. You know, that's, this is, this is really how it got started for Ottertail. I mean, I bet it was prior to be being becoming the economic development manager at Ottertail. I was an area manager in Millbank for 25 plus years. And basically my job was customer service and operations um, for Ottertail in South Dakota. And then it expanded to some territory in Minnesota, some territory in North Dakota. But it happened, it was probably five years ago, maybe a between five and seven years ago, I'd received a call from a company out of Las Vegas. And they initially said, hey, we're looking to move up to the Midwest and we need 500 megawatts of capacity. And I thought, oh my gosh, we that's half of our, essentially our baseload of generation. Um, I got, you know, of course, anytime you get a 500 megawatt customer, you go, wow, let's, let's sign them up right now. Right. So, but I had no idea what it was. And so I passed it on again to some people at Ottertail that uh, our economic development director at that time, and then upper management and said, here's a customer wants to do 500 megawatts. I have no idea what it is. Um, I know we can't locate it on our system anywhere, but eventually that turned into a, further conversation where other people at Ottertail said, well, we can't do 500, but maybe we could do 1050s. And um, so that's really where we, we, we proceeded with the conversation. And that was a couple years ago, maybe three years ago. Um, and then we started working with some of these uh, clients like the one uh, that we have in, in that we eventually uh, ended up locating in Jamestown uh, applied. It was at that time applied uh now it's applied digital right yep they came online uh through a ton of iterations of working with different people different type different companies that were looking at trying to find spots to locate for for data mining um and we were successful in working with them and i think it was january of 2021 they came online they were a 100 megawatt customer of ours at time they we signed them up on uh, they signed the uh, electric service agreement they became our second largest customer at the snap um, of the finger just so, like that that's pretty cool yeah so and they've been it's just been a great relationship with them um so we're, we're looking forward to that one of the things that's really interesting is you know it just it's incredible how much we're a small utility right we have a bit, relatively small you know one hundred and thirty thousand customers and 70,000 square mile service territory. I joke that we have two customers per square mile. Um, you know, so we're, we're very small and consequently we're very limited resource wise, right? So we 
these projects just take a ton of resources and and and, and a ton of human resources. So our folks just um, from you know initially my contacts with the customers to bringing in our sales department to help them to you know understand our rate structures and and then bringing in engineers to do the, the study the transmission studies and then you bring it in the generation people to okay how can we how can we do 100 megawatts and, and, and are we going to be able to provide that power to them it's just it just takes a ton of time and, and human resources so um you know that's and then you, you toss in a couple other projects for a company like Otter Tail Power. All of a sudden, people are going, you know, no moss. Uh, give us some time. Let, let's get our breath here. Sure. We, and, and for me as an economic developer, I'm going, oh, come on now. <laughs> we Hell have an opportune time go. here. Yeah. Yeah, we have an opportune time to do something that in our 120 plus year history is unprecedented. And so... Uh, yeah, but we'll get through that. I'm certain we will. Um, but yeah, so we've been working with um, what I've been doing for the, probably the last two years, and it's it's almost strictly been uh, focusing on data and data centers and data mining, is trying to find locations in our service territory. I, I basically call them sweet spots in our service territory. We have where we have the ability to site, whether it's a large data mining facility or, or a large customer in general. Um, where's the capacity at? Um, what does the transmission system look like? How's our generation stack going to be able to do this? And so that's really been a focus of mine for the last couple of years. And and I know we, you know, we're, again, we're a small company. Our average town size of 130,000 customers, our average town size is 400 people. So those communities, like every one I'm sure that's listening knows, you know, there's a, there's a, they used to probably be bigger and they used to probably have a lot of uh, things going on in their towns. And, and those, some of those things have gone away. Yeah. Um, but we still have the, we still have the infrastructure in place, right? So um, stranded assets, if you will. So how can we utilize that to attract customers and, and help our, you know, our small town economic developers, our small town city councils, our small town, you know, mayors go, okay, here, you know, if, if you want to, if you want our help, and they all do, um, here's what we have and here's, here's what we have available. All of our communities, whether it's Minnesota, South Dakota, North Dakota, work very diligently as, or as diligently as they can based upon their resources with the state um, government entities such as the GOED in South Dakota, North Dakota Department of Commerce, um, Minnesota Deed, where where they the, those entities will get inquiries from companies, um, data companies, for example, that want to look at maybe one of the three states or maybe all three states. There and they, so they send out an RFI or a request for information, and it's it goes out to all the communities. And what I think, what I find in my traveling is not all communities can do these things, right? And, and so um, if we can go to them and let them know up front, mm-hmm. okay, here's what we can do for you. Um, you, you. Do you have the capacity to do X? Um, you, can't, you can't respond to, you know, a, a company that's looking for 50 megawatts and a, you know, a natural gas if you don't have it. So we just want to try to get those communities to know their utility companies so that they they can be educated. They don't they don't all of a sudden go out looking for a building <laughs> and purchase a building when they know that it, it can't be done. So that's really what I've been doing is trying to find those communities, let them know what they've got available to them. And then when those RFIs come out, they can respond in an internet you know, an educated way and, and they can sort and they don't have to respond to them all. So, yeah. And, and what is the response, you know, maybe just broad stroke of the towns that you're, you're talking to and bringing this to what, what is their response to data centers, Bitcoin mining? You know, what are they saying? That's crazy. We don't want that here. Or are they receptive to it? It's been a really mixed bag then. Um, 
you know, when I did the, the, when I was working on the tax incentives in South Dakota, the response was, whoa, you know, wait a second, this scares the living daylights out of me. You know, there was some negatives from, you know, there was just, it was just the uh, unknown of data mining, really. People didn't know what it was. When you talk crypto, and I, I don't necessarily know it, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know everything, a lot about it. But when you bring it up in front of a legislator and say, you know, we want to give crypto mining companies a tax incentive, they just look at you like, no. I mean, it was it was very easy for them to make a decision. They didn't know what we were talking about. So then we were looking at, you know, trying to find examples for them and, and, and just showing them that it's really a part of everything that's going on in in business right now and and, and data centers and data storage and and uh you know crypto uh, uh cyber security so all of those things it was really an education process we didn't have enough time to do it to get them up to speed on what it was and they so they they eventually it was still a scary thing to them the communities were looking at uh same thing basically um they would they they're they're really understanding of the fact that north dakota south dakota minnesota have labor issues mm-hmm. we can't and in all of our towns virtually with the exception of a handful we just don't have a labor force um so data mining is really ideal for some of these small towns i i i typically use the, the pitch that hey um we can do a you know, megawatt data center, we could do 10 of them in a 60 mile radius and you could employ one or two people that aren't going to have to drive 45 miles to go to work. They can, they can work in their hometown that they like to stay. Mm-hmm. They, they will, you know, ha- they can service those 10 locations in a, in a, a hub and spoke type um, a business model. And, you know, we just don't have the, the employees to do a, a large, you know, we, we can't do an Amazon. We can't do a hundred, you know, employee build out in most of our small towns. So, so they're very receptive of that. Um, the data center thing right now is, is really intriguing to me. That is something that I, I've had a couple of conversations with people on, on uh, the data center um, inquiries that are, I just think it's incredible. That is, that's to me a little less scary than the data mining, a little less risky. Sure. Um, uh, whether it's a utility perspective or a community perspective. Um, so I, we're going to, you know, continue to entertain those, those um, inquiries and, and see what we can do. One thing we do have in our, in, in Otter Tail is, you know, we have buildings available in these small towns and, you know, we don't need to, to build a data center that's going to employ a hundred people, we can build a data center or, or, or uh, habit or, or move into an b- existing building that can do data storage for several clients. Um, yeah. And I, I just think that's something that's, I'm hearing a little bit more that's starting to move away from the big city data center applications out into rural, uh, rural America. And that's really attractive to me. And I think to our company too. Yeah, well, and, and you're touching on a piece that I'm, I'm finding more and more important in these conversations is that positive economic impact to the local community and, and making sure that the, the customers, Bitcoin mining, crypto mining, or just data centers, when they're approaching you and Otter Tail is to make sure that there's a, a tie-in for that positive economic impact. And you know, it, it even goes a step farther. I mean, these communities could look at having repair centers. So there are not a lot of places that people can send a Bitcoin mining computer, like the one sitting behind me that that can get repaired. Uh, There's just not a lot of them. So there are ways to get certified to do this. And then you could have people in town servicing. You could have employees, like you said, 10 megawatt site, even if that's spread out over, you know, a couple of different locations that that could take on five, six employees. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, 
it's definitely an important piece and component to these conversations. So it's, it, it's good to hear that you guys are already doing that. You're bringing that ahead of the customer inquiries. You know, it's, again, I've been with Autotil nearly 40 years, <laughs> but um, involved in economic development for virtually all of that time in one aspect or another. And you hit on a couple of things there, Ben, that are, that, that just haven't seemed to have changed. You know, you, you look at what we used to do 20 years ago in economic development was you try to bring a business in and then see what kind of spinoffs can be derived from that. So if you bring in a nice manufacturing business, you know, exact, you know, what else do they do? What do they do that they might have to ship off somewhere else? This is no different. Um, you're exactly right. Um, but people just don't know what it is. Right. So in South Dakota, um, I'm a huge technical school fan, um, mainly because from our industry as a, as a customer service and operations guy for my, almost my entire life, it's easy to really, it's, it's, they're so easy to work with. Right. And they're so nimble. And so you can go to them and say, you know, we need a program. We've got this industry coming. Can you, can you develop a program for us to train these people to take these jobs? And they do it like that. I mean, they're, they're so eager to, to do those types of things. So we can do that. And, and we're doing that in, in South Dakota. We're doing it in North Dakota, Minnesota too. It's just, it's just, we work really closely with the tech schools to, to let them know what, what types of industry needs are. Um, just an example, another area that really, really fascinates me that I think there's tremendous opportunity for rural uh, America is, is cyber security. Um, Dakota State University in, Man in Madison, South Dakota, received funding to build a, a, a massive uh, cyber security training center. And, um, you know, they also received some funding to, to build a, a cybersecurity center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that these people once trained can go to work there. Um, oh, wow. There is there is no reason why they can't go to work in hometown South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota and do cybersecurity and not have to drive to Sioux Falls or, or some other community they don't want to live in. So I think that's another area where, because everyone needs it. Everyone thinks they've got great cybersecurity, but it's not always true. <laughs> I've had people no. tell me horror stories about <laughs> their cybersecurity and we, we hear about them every day. Um, but there are kids out there, I think, that, that want to, that are, 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 that could do this. We just need to open those doors. And, you know, for, the work I've done with schools over the years, uh, a lot of times they, they're just not aware. And as businesses, we've got to give them, we've got to work with, with schools and, and tech schools and, and the regental system to say, hey, this all is changing. And um, you might not like it. It's, me, it's maybe not traditional, but yeah. guess what? Um, this is where it's going. And, you know, we're a smaller utility again. We're, we're, we move really slow. We're not ever the first in any arena, but we also understand that um, it's changing and it's, you know, the, it's not attracting the same kind of industry that we were once trying to attract years and years and years ago. So now it's, um, again, we are, we are seeing opportunity for unprecedented low growth. That's a good thing for us. It's a good thing for mm -hmm. the rest of our customers. Um, and, and loads like this, whether it's, uh, you know, in particular data mining, the flexibility to interrupt is is absolutely, it's just great for us. Um, bring them on and be, being able to interrupt them uh, at times when we need to. Yeah, it's just tremendous benefit for a utility company. I, I So I would love it if you would maybe expand on that, that interruptible part a little bit more and why that's such an attractive piece, especially, and it this is what I'm mostly interested in is you're, you're seeing this load growth and with load growth, I'm, I'm making some assumptions here, but you will have to build out infrastructure to facilitate that load growth. Can you talk to the, how important the interruptible part is? And, and then maybe does that pertain to the, the load growth and, and building out new infrastructure? I can talk a little bit. I'm not an engineer. <laughs> I'm not a okay. transmission studies specialist, but 
at Ottertail and a lot of utilities for as long as I can remember, uh, interruptibility has been a, a critical part to what they do. For every megawatt you can interrupt, that's a megawatt you don't have to build. So you're just able to can, to work the system very well. You don't you're not adding additional generation resources, which are incredibly expensive. Um, but on the the locate side of things, again, going back to where can we locate this? That's going to be the cheapest, right? Where where we're not going to have to build miles of transmission, where we can just find the spot. I equated a lot to the wind industry, and I you know, people might disagree with me, but the wind industry is pretty, pretty developed and they were looking for sweet spots in the transmission data and data centers, I think are the same thing. Where can they find those sweet spots where there's available capacity and Hey, we can also help you if we can locate there, you, you, you can, you can have the ability to control our load when you need to economics, mm-hmm. um, you know, capacity reasons, and we're okay with that. We can go from 100 megawatts down to three within 10 minutes. And that's just awesome. Um, we yeah. really like it, that kind it, of load. Yeah, it's not like a, a big manufacturing plant where you're going to ruin, ruin, you know, lines of, of equipment by doing that. Yeah. 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 And, and, it's, and it's that they're basically, it, you know, they're, it's, they're volunteering to do it. Um, we also have rates that will give them the opportunity to control, uh, essentially control their destiny, right? Destiny. They can they can go on a, a particular rate and say, well, if we can stay within this band and operate within this band, we can get the lowest rate. But if we need to move into the next band, it's going to be a little bit higher. It's basically peak, off-peak, and shoulder times of the, of the day. So they can they can manage that on their own to help them you know, have the achieve the lowest cost on the electric side. Yeah, and it I mean it that that is such an attractive ability for a, a Bitcoin miner specifically, um, because as the the price of Bitcoin goes up and and things become more profitable for the operation, they they can start to look at the the peak hours and the shoulder and say, we're just going to run right through this because we're going to, we're still going to be profitable even at this new, you know, blended rate. And then when the price drops or, you know, there's, there's difficulty and, and network hash rate involved with the Bitcoin mining industry. And so if those start to jump up and make profitability less then they can get back into the off peak hours or yeah. So it's, it's an incredible offering for a, a Bitcoin mining company. Um, Kevin, yeah, maybe no, just to, to switch gears, sorry, just sure. to, no, to switch ahead. gears a little bit and, and talk about some of this interest being in economic development. What is the interest? Are you still fielding a ton of calls on this or what does the interest look like? It was uh probably up to about six months ago, I, I would wager to bet I was taking at least one or two calls a week from different companies. Um, it's, it's less now. Um, I sp- still spend uh, a lot of my week when I'm not, when I'm in peer and when I'm not working on the legislation and I'm working with potential clients right now um, that are seem to be more in it for the long run that aren't just looking for certain, you know, looking for those load pockets where they can get capacity. They're, they're looking at um, specific facilities, specific sites. Um, there's, there's more, there's a, seems to be developing more local uh, interest in, in bit mining. Um, and then the data center topics. I, I, that's picked up in the last two months. Um, that seems to be a, a hot topic that I'm, I'm getting calls from people that are looking at that concept and where can they go. And, you know, I think, you know, the Dakotas and Minnesota, it's starting to become, uh, I know they're getting more aggressive. The states, the, North Dakota in particular, their governor is extremely aggressive towards 
data in general. And um, South Dakota, we've got a pretty good uh, data center. I mean, a lot of companies have that, but um, it's going to be really interesting. I think it, you know the, the market on, on, on Bitcoin certainly drives a good portion of it, but I'm getting a lot of local inquiries right now um, asking about where could we where could we site? What do you have available? It's great to hear. I, I mean, it, it's oh, really yeah, encouraging. It, it's it's really encouraging to hear that because it I mean it, it is a tough environment on the Bitcoin mining side of things and you know another another thing and maybe you can touch on this a little bit more too from your perspective that I'm so I'm, what I'm hearing is there's kind of this disconnect between timelines and and expectations <laughs> I think I think the Bitcoin mining community you know give you a call hey Kevin I I want you know five, 10 megawatts. Can we do that in three months? That's a great question. Yeah. We just, I just got off prior to this. I was just on a call with a client that was talking about the exact same thing. How fast can I get to the market? Um, you know, I need to get there now. Um, and inevitably depending upon size, of course, you know, depending upon the, the equipment needs. I mean, we're just, a, we're just held hostage to those you know, lead times for equipment. Um, no utility that I know of ramps up for the, what are the possibilities? What, what are we looking at down the road? They, they, we build to the existing load, maybe a little bit extra. So we don't have a ton of equipment, a ton of transformers. We have transformers in stock that we think we would need if we had a catastrophic storm of some type, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so we're not ramped up to do, you know, have a bunch of uh, transformers available or protection equipment available for a company that wants to come in at a larger size, even at a smaller size, even at five megawatts. I mean, that's, you know, lead times on equipment for that are, are out there a year. And so um, that's disturbing to many people that think that you should be able to go faster. Well, we would love to. Um, it's just that we can't. And so, you know, that's why I like, that's why I'm a big, small, uh, minor fan, because we may have areas out there where that, you know, we might be able to do, uh, more for less type of thing where we can get you going faster. But, you know, again, if we need to add equipment and, and infrastructure, um, we're a small company. We have a workforce plan that needs to be addressed, right? We have to do these things that upgrades and, and storm replacements and with a, with a very small um, staff. So when you drop in a, a big project, it just is, again, it gets back to that human resource uh, management problem that you just, you just don't have the bodies to go get this all done. So you have to say, okay, which, which is going to come first? We're going to replace this line over here, or are we going to, you know, build a new line. So yeah, it's a really tough balancing act. And, uh, but we've so far, it's been, it's been pretty good so far. And, you know, I would say for us um, right now, we're, we're probably going to sit and pause a little bit on some of these projects until we can get some of the other stuff, you know, ironed out, get it, get it to the point where we can start relying on our employees to, to kind of move on to some other stuff. So it's, it's a very, it's a busy, busy time right now. Oh yeah. Um, you guys had, and I think I saw an article on this, so correct me if I'm wrong. Are you guys, you're expanding your transmission, right? Or are you upgrading? I can't remember what the article said. You're either upgrading yeah. or expanding. So are you guys growing your generation right now? Is that part of that? No, um, the expansion you're talking about is, is through, um, they're, they're basically multi-value projects. And years ago, there was, I think there was like 17 projects that came out. And two of those projects were, were in our service territory. One went from Big Stone Power Plant, which is in Northeast South Dakota, went down south along the, the border to a community named Brookings, South Dakota. And then it went east to the Twin Cities. Um, and then we had another one that went from Big Stone to uh, across South Dakota, central to central South Dakota, then went north into North Dakota. So those are two what they call multi-value projects. So 
um, a lot of utilities involved, a lot of states involved. So very beneficial to customers and all of the all of the MISO or Midwest Independent System Operator uh, footprint. We're gonna get, we're going kind of through a second round right now of those types of projects. So we have a couple of them, and and I'm probably gonna get one right and i'm not even going to talk about the other because i'm not as familiar but another one that will go from big stone uh north to alexandria and then another one that's going to go f- not positive i think that one's up in north dakota so yeah one thing that's happening is you know there's there's a uh, all of the wind that's getting built um you know it's it's the transmission system capacities are limited so we know we're going to see more renewables, and so um, MISO and, and and the utilities in the states are are really looking at okay how are how can we expand the transmission, um, where where does it need to go, um, and that type of thing. So yeah, those are coming up, and there will be significant expansions. I remember a few years ago when we did the we gave the governor of South Dakota an update on the Big Stone to Brookings and the Big Stone to Allendale. 345 KV transmission line updates. And at the time we gave the um, update, there was 2000 megawatts of capacity available and it was virtually all subscribed to. And she made the comment, well, why didn't you build them bigger? <laughs> Which I thought was a great question. <laughs> and so uh, for, a, for a governor that's probably you know, utilities and the transmission isn't uh, on top of her list, she asked a great question. So, yeah, so there it's a big deal right now and lots going on on the transmission side across the country. That's 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 cool. And I mean, that that, you know, inevitably works its way into your arena when you're looking for bringing new customers to your grid. Um, yeah. That, yeah. So and then, and then you look at, you know, the transmission and and, and I'm not an expert on, on the transmission at all, but I hear a lot about. Um, congestion on that transmission and that i think too is another thing that is another opportunity um if you've got an area where there's like in northeast south dakota a lot of wind um but the transmission system is congested how can you and so then those wind facilities those projects are being curtailed to shut down when you know they could be producing just because of the transmission congestion that's my understanding to in a very simple, simplistic way. Yeah. So how can we find, you know, potentials that want to go to those points in the where there's congestion and tap into that and allow those projects to keep, you know. Yeah. Are, are those is are those assets otter tails? I mean, or are those private wind turbines that are then feeding into the grid or? Yeah, they're not. We don't have any uh, wind resources in South Dakota, but uh, other companies, other investor-owned utilities, are are owning those facilities, and and so they're, and they're some of them are getting to be older, but they're still operable and and can still function, and but they're being curtailed, and that's just I'm guessing not a very good thing for the utility that has them shut down. So. Oh, I would imagine. And where I was going with that question was. If, if you saw, and I know that this is a little speculative, but if, if you saw any potential there for like an otter tail to own, you know, a, a, a container filled with Bitcoin miners that they could deploy. So there's congestion on the transmission line instead of curtailing the wind turbines. Maybe we bring, you know, this container out there. We don't have to turn the turbine off and we can monetize that excess instead of turning it off is... Are, are those conversations happening at like the otter tails of the world or other utility companies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I've even had inquiries talking about that very thing. Um, you know, what's going to be amazing to me. And again, utility companies are hundred years old and, and strapped with, or, you know, with tradition and very cautious um, risk averse, because uh, we, you know, get a rate of return, and we need to make sure we're, we're our rates are competitive. And um, but yeah, the those types of situations 
are going to require almost a complete um, different mindset on how we operate and how we, how we, you know, just how that whole thing is going to work. Um, there's, there's all kinds of talks about the the generation, um, how that's going to work. And it's just, the industry is going through a a huge, huge, um, it's, it's mind blowing to hear the different types of things people want to do. And so again, you got to try to keep up with that. Yeah. And then you got to try to develop your rate structure to be able to get it approved. And then, you know, we were regulated by the public utilities commissions or service commissions in the states. Um, so, yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's mind boggling, um, but it's going to happen. And um, we just we're, we're doing the best we can to talk with those customers to figure out what their needs are and see what we can do to try to to help them um, because it's, it's going to happen somewhere. Um, we'd love to be a part of it. Uh, we'd love, love to work with them. We're not afraid of those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of evidenced by just us being in the bit mining industry. Uh, we want to work with those people. Um, so yeah, so it's going to be, it's going to be fun for the next few years to figure out what's going on. I, I think what's part of it. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's, <laughs> it's really cool to hear that perspective. So I appreciate that. What, what's fun and exciting is like you said, this is a a very old industry and it does have old mindset and mentality around the industry. And then you're starting to see a shift in the thinking and, you know, some new opportunities that are arising that, you know, aren't looking as risky anymore. Bitcoin's been around for 14 years. I starting to sort, you know, to feel established enough to lean into that industry data center. You know, you want to talk about the direction of the future, um, data, internet. I mean, that that's all becoming more and more. COVID showed us that with all the virtual work and, and just what we can do virtually. Um, so to, to lean into that, that it's, it's great to hear that the industry is starting to, to talk about it. I did you or were people from Ottertail out at Distributech in California last week by any chance? I'm not familiar with it. I don't. I haven't heard anything about that. No. Okay. It's a it's an, an industry event um, for utilities, and and it's very forward thinking. Very, you know, looking at the the latest and greatest technologies and and ideas and things like that. And this year, I know that there were at least two. Bitcoin mining companies that were set up there to start talking about integration. How do we vertically integrate something like this? So it, it's cool to see those conversations taking place. Yeah. 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 It's going to be amazing. It's, it's going to change. I think it's going to change the industry a ton. Um, and, you know, we're going to, again, I, I hope we're a part of it because it's fascinating. It's just to me, it's just fascinating. So, yeah. Well, as we're we're kind of wrapping up our our conversation here just to be respectful of time, it's it's funny how fast an hour can go. Um <laughs> one last question I had for you is, you know, from from your perspective on the economic development side and from the legislative side, what do you think the biggest miss is when a Bitcoin mining company is approaching a utility company? I think right now for us, and we're, it's really kind of a fledgling industry for us. There's just a lot of people that are in the industry that want to get in, right? Um, and, and I'll say this just from my personal perspective, being in customer service and operations, I'm not an engineer. I don't understand the voltage and flows and what blah, 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 blah. Um, but, but I do understand, you know, where we want to go and what we want to do. Um, I think one of the biggest misses is, you know, if, if you're looking to go out to a utility, um, they'll, I think, and I sh- could be wrong, they'll recognize the tire kickers and and they'll see that pretty quickly. Um, the ones that, 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 you know, ask the right questions, right? They, they, 
um, it, you know, we're going to ask right up front, you know, what type of voltage are you looking at operating at? And if, if they're go if they're not able to talk that language or have somebody there that can talk that language, it's, it starts off, I think a little bit shaky. Um, there's many others that are going to, you know, my, my, what I do is I, I get the initial contacts and then I, I bring them together with more people at Ottertail. And I want to bring them together with people that can talk technically, mm-hmm. whether it's rate structure or, or engineering side, uh, transmission, distribution. And if they don't have that ability to talk that language, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a tough start. It's going to be a waste of some time. And that turns our people maybe a little bit sideways. So if there's a big miss so far that I've seen, that's it. Um, We've got a lot of people out there, a lot of lot of interest that seem to be a lot further along, and they know what they're doing. Um, so that that so far for me has been a, a slight miss. It's not it's not something you can't overcome, but they're not always. If they're small, they don't maybe they're not always ready to ask those big questions. And and you know, utilities are going to be very, I think. I'll speak for Audital. We're very risk averse, so we're going to make sure that we are going to be. Uh, we're going to look at. Um, we're going to ask for some cash, right? You're certainly yeah. not going to go into this free. Um, it's a. Uh, there, there. It's a business that right now, from a utility perspective, risky, and portable, and seems like yeah. uh, you know we don't want to. We don't want to be left out all of a sudden holding a receivable that's just tremendous, you know, just massive. So we're very careful there. So that, that too, they don't, they don't maybe see that coming if they're, if they're small and, and new to the industry, but most of the, the, the established players, they fully get it. They understand they've done it before. Um, yeah, that, that to me is what I've noticed over the last couple of years. Okay. I really, what I like about, Ending on that note, Kevin, is that that kind of helps give perspective and insight for people who are interested in, you know, maybe moving from the garage to, you know, a megawatt or and that that's a big jump, by the way. I know that people people talk about moving into a megawatt or 10 megawatts like like that's, you know, a very easy thing that that's a substantial jump. Um, But it, it helps people understand you know, maybe where they need to get the education and where they need to kind of sharpen the pencil before they they come knocking on the door and say, well, I'd like 10 megawatts in three months, please. So, yeah, I appreciate yes. that. I think everyone's in the same boat, man. I, I know, you know, the supply chains have been tough on everybody and COVID was tough on everybody. But I don't I'm, I'm hoping someday in the near future that changes and we get back to the way it was where we can we can move quicker, more nimbly with, with new customers. Um, it's fr- Again, I go back to my earlier statement. It's frustrating to me as an economic developer to have to go to someone and say, hey, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to take a pause here. Um, yeah. We aren't going to move on. And that's really, again, unprecedented times we're living in right now. And as a, you know, somebody that work, has worked for utility for nearly 40 years, I know how hard it was to work for 500 kW of load 20 years ago, and we were growing at one to two percent a year, and now we're at this point where. Um, but it takes a ton of people. It takes a ton of thought, and and so and then we got to also remember that we're regulated, so everything we do is going to be um, under a microscope. So we want to make sure we're making really good, prudent decisions on what mm-hmm. we're doing, where we're going. Um, because it can make a, a, a huge difference. So. Yeah, absolutely. Kevin, I, I really appreciate your time today. I know that between the the legislative work and, and your other work, you're very busy. So you've been very graceful with your time. I appreciate that. Before we end, I, I do want to make sure I give you a chance to, to share contact information or how people can get in touch with you if they want to sure. either learn more or maybe they're interested in, you know, a location. So if, if you're comfortable sharing yeah. contact information, or how to get in touch with you. Yeah. I um, pretty much go on my, my cell phone is, and everybody does. So it's not unusual. My cell phone number for anybody that's interested is area code 605-880-0975. 
uh, email k k o u b is in boy a at o t is in tango p is in papa c is in charlie o dot com and we'll put all that in the show notes for you too I always uh, love that because when I was flying, uh, occasionally flying on our company plane, uh, our my dear friend Randy Kinder would say, "Otter, or Otter Tang, Oscar Tango Papa," was <laughs> uh, was his call sign when he was flying in. So, but yeah, and then uh, if you go onto the website ottertailotpco.com or uh, yeah otpco.com. Uh, there's an economic development tab in there too. You can go on that. It also gives information on our sales team. Um, so if you're looking at a particular area in mind, uh, they will certainly take your calls too. Our customer service centers are located throughout our service territory. You can feel free to give them a call and uh, they'll pass it on to us and the sales team. So. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate the time. This This was an absolute pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye.